Welcome back to the Bearded Butchers podcast, week four on building a niche brand. Today, we bring you what has been the most recent and I would say the most vertical expansion um, recently of our brand, which is our wholesale side. So um, just to back up the story a little bit, we in the very early days started out by taking our spice rub and, you know, naturally I think this is what you do when you're um, a new entrepreneur is you have a product, something tangible, and immediately you think I'm going to go around to the nearest doors, stores, stores with four doors that you have and you um, are going to take your product, you're going to walk in the door, call it a cold call, and you're going to be like, hey, I have this product. XYZ would be cool if you sold it in your store. Well, um, we did that with Bueller's. We walked in with crock pots under our arms, sat down with them and held them a, handed them a fork and said, here, try these. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if you don't have the online portion that we had, that's maybe your only option is to try to get it into retailers. So when we had the product, we were enjoying such, um, I guess I'll say such good health online that we did initially, like in 2016, when we launched the the brand, so to speak, we did carry crock pots under our arms and walk into, um, Seth, Seth mentioned Bueller's. Bueller's is a chain of um, 13 um, grocery stores that were near us. And so we thought, well, that makes sense. Let's go talk to them called them up, whatever, got a meeting, went in there, talked to their buyer, and they picked up the product. They said, we'll sell the product in our store. And that's um, <clears throat> that was our initial installment. So uh, big thanks to them. We're still in those stores. What, what, what then became, you know, Bueller's was, you know, another couple of stores here, a couple of st stores there, heard about you. You know, sometimes people would reach out to us. And we got it up to like 25 stores or something well, like that. Well, Fin, Feather, and Fur was a big one because that's kind of where our whole brand kicked off, you know, during the Eat Wilds. With the, the deer, deer, deer cutting door, demonstrations yeah. and everything. So Fin, Feather, and Fur, um, they've been there pretty much since day one as well. But Yeah. So the, the evolution of that, though, stalled. It stalled mm -hmm. in a big way because the online took off. It took off um, very rapidly. And what we wound up doing was sort of bastardizing our wholesale accounts because we, we just simply didn't have time for well, it. Well, we didn't have time it, for it. It's a matter Sometimes of sitting down, have... sitting down, making phone calls, you know, making trips, interacting with people, making those relationships that we just we were neglecting. we were terrible we were at nurturing those relationships mm -hmm. as well because we, you know, there was even times where we would um, not have product available when they were trying to order from us because we were selling it online. Some of that was covered in our product procurement and um, inventory issues, um, and these these come with rapid growth. But they were they quickly then converted to 100% inbound sales. So the only way we added a new wholesale customer was if they literally knocked our door down. Like, can I carry it in my store? And like, just sounds weird, but it was almost like a reluctant thing at a certain point because it was like we had our retail website. And then we had a wholesale 
Um, well, we didn't. We did have a we did have a website for the wholesale. We actually Phil and I got together and we decided to um, build a section uh, or a basically a, a copy of our website that was for um, wholesalers to aid in the ordering process, so they could get a password, sign in, order product, see the wholesale pricing, whatever. And we built that, and he, Phil was was managing that um whatever customers we had in there the 25 to 30 stores and he was taking care of those and doing doing a decent job i would say better than i was because previously it was up to me like i get an email we had um actually a couple of uh amish stores so like they would find a way to call in place orders but getting deliveries and stuff seth and i were still running some of the deliveries but it was just it was a kind of a faulty system and we had in mind somebody that we had known um, for quite some time. I'll take the opportunity right now to allow, allow him to introduce himself. Our wholesale manager. Hello, my name's Jared. <laughs> Jared Brown. <laughs> Hello. Jared Brown was somebody that we had known for a number of years. In fact, Jared is a um, friend of our now HR manager, Craig, who was early in our brand development, an employee then. So there was a, a connection made and Jared was actually, um, he's a master coffee roaster. Would you say that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, take, Jared, I'll take part of that. Jared, Jared's responsible for the incredible Beer to Butcher blend coffee that we had, which ties into the whole relationship with Craig and Jared and, and, and the Beer to Butchers and all that. We were already selling coffee that he produced. We knew Jared was in a position where he had um, sales experience in the on the wholesale level. So um, in July of 2021 is when we sat down and we had we had Jared in mind, but we actually sat down and had the conversation about Jared becoming, um, well, previous to that, we had you as part-time, did we not? Yeah, so I think it was like a April or I, so. I was thinking that, um, of 21. Yeah, of 21. And you tell the story. Well, I told yeah, you I mean, Jared was in law enforcement before that, and it wasn't he, what, what weren't you Scott's probation yeah, officer for a while? Something up. like that. I don't <laughs> think Scott was ever on probation, but. Um, no, he you know, wasn't. You know, you mentioned Craig that, you know, that's what our background, you know, we met each other kind of in college and slash uh, in law enforcement when we worked in juvenile sector in Ashland County. Long story, we moved to Wayne County. We, we literally worked every job together, it felt like, in law enforcement. Actually, I, mean, I think we actually did. Um, and then, you know, he left for Whitefeather, you know, here, uh, and basically did butchering. And I'll never forget the story because I literally looked at him and said, well, I think we're done ever working together again. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. But <laughs> Now, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, Your dad's a butcher. My dad is a butcher. He's... Um, in Ashland County. So are um, we, is there still an opportunity to get you into the butchering part of the business? You know, my dad was a butcher and really wanted to become a meat inspector. Um, he had an accident while butchering, actually, where a bee fell on his back. Um, and he had some discs removed from his back, and he went into sales. And now he's back butchering. You know, he left sales, and he's back to butchering just as a, I think, just a waste time. Just with a broken back now. Yeah, I, he, he's a... He's a guy. He's a worker. I'm telling you, once again, butchering is a is yeah. a butchering is a is, is a unique way to injure harm your well being. Yeah, physically and mentally. 
So but anyway, go yeah. On. So going back, um, <clears throat> so you know that's where the relationship came from. Uh, I left law enforcement. I don't know a year, year and a half after Craig did, uh, but I went into sales and I worked for a company out of Ashland uh, doing pumps and things like that. Um, so well pumps, sump pumps, things. Uh, so I didn't have it on the food side of you know the business, but I definitely had the relationships and and you know shout out to my my boss at uh, EcoFlow Products is what it was called, uh, Sean Miller, my boss there. I mean he taught me so much uh, from start to finish on how you know, how to really start the conversation, how to grab a customer or a possible customer, and then to finish the deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent five years with him, and it was, you know, a blessing to say the least. So happy to have that in the background, doing coffee, you know, for White Feather Meats. Uh, my wife and I, don't. it's not just me, believe me, she, she does a lot of the roasting as well. But I had that, um, and Seth mentioned it one day. He was like, hey, would you ever consider working for us? Of course, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we've been friends for a long time. You know, this brand was really taken off and it was an opportunity for me to really spread my wings and not be, uh, to be the guy, I guess, right? Sure. Like, you know, to, to run the table and to see where, where I could go. I was confident with myself and, you know, it, the opportunities here and, you know, now we're, we're moving forward with it. So, yeah. So Jared took over initially. It was like, well, let's kind of bring you in, get you in the door um, and then after a couple of months, it was like, we need to make this a full-time position. Um, quickly we saw the sales, um, spike and some of that was due to, you know, the nurturing of the existing customers, something that we, um, we feel it improved on, but it wasn't, you know, a couple, three, four years had gone by where they weren't getting real good nurturing, even callbacks or, you know, are you, are you, do you have enough product on the shelf, et cetera, et cetera, like that. Um, just a full-time management position. So that was, um, that was great right off the bat, like getting to know that those wholesale customers were getting much better care for. Cause that's one of the things we don't want to do is acquire a customer and then not nurture them, take care of them, get them the product they need, et cetera, et cetera, whether that's wholesale or any other customer. So now they've got Jared, somebody on our side that, that, um, is full-time in that position that they can reach out to. Um, so that helped with the growth. <clears throat> and also, you know, challenges that we got into early on, I would say, were um, mostly in those challenges. Are, are Some of them remain the same in, in the sense of the, the, the supply. Like we went, we, you know, this would have been in 21. Um, oddly enough, some of our supply chain stuff that didn't really hit in 20 kind of um the weight caught up with the boat i guess in 21 but uh whether or not he's vying for the same thing that we dealt with early on was you know we have two delivery three three delivery platforms really um we have white feather meats retail store that that sells product we have the website beardbutcher.com that sells product now he's got to get product to get out to his um to his stores. So tell me a little bit about some of the, the, the early experiences, like learning the systems, tr- you know, perhaps traveling, looking at trade shows, um, what it looked like when you sort of got the keys and, you know, uh, how, how are you come overcome some of the challenges scaled, 
Um, how are you dealing with some of that on that side of things? I would just want to thought. I would also um, interject. You know how many stores we started with, how many we're at now, and if somebody is listening and they're interested in carrying our products in their store, how they go about doing that. Yeah, so that's a lot. Um, yeah, but we're putting it, it on. It, you. Yeah, right. Uh, but the, the main challenge is, I mean, like we said, uh, we started in April. I came full time in August. Uh, I think I came to you guys in July of 2021 and said, "Listen, this is a this is a full time gig. Like, mm-hmm. if you if we're serious about it, I can't I can't do it part time with the other stuff I have going on on the other side of the the bridge. So uh, we had to do it full time and go with it. Uh, a lot. This is going to sound a little different, but I think you alluded to it. It was a mess. Uh, when I came on board, you know, we're just getting random emails from stores. We're getting, you know, people asking to, to carry our product. I went back through the old email list and there was a whole bunch of ones that were not answered or not verified. Uh, we're trying to make sure we're verifying that, you know, you are a true retail store, not just, mm-hmm. you know, trying to sell it on the street or something like that, you know, because our, our main focus is those retail stores and, and getting customers in those doors because believe me they're not just going to buy our seasoning they're going to buy other things in that store so uh, if we can help get some people in there that that's our that's our plan uh so there was definitely a uh i don't know six month period of of really what i'll call cleanup and focusing in on those customers that we already had you know you mentioned bueller's you mentioned uh fin feather and fur those were the bigger chains that we had and then, you know, a lot of the, you know, mom and what, what I'll call mom and pop shops where, you know, they own one store, but, you know, you know take Hartville Hardware. They, at one point, it was only one store, but it was a huge store, right? So, you know, they're taking sure. in a lot of inventory and things like that. But so there was challenges there, uh, cleaning that up. Once that was done, then it was, okay, where, where's the next step? Uh, you know, with the, the brand, the YouTube and everything going on, it was... How do we reach some of those other customers that we're doing through our retail site, but they're getting the burden of the shipping cost? And, you know, key example would be Canada, right? So we'd send seasoning up there and through our retail store, and they would get hit with an extra tax or an mm-hmm. extra fee or whatever. So we were able to find a partner and a distributor there, uh, Gospel Barbecue, which has been fantastic. Uh, you could check their site out, gospelbarbecue.com. And you could buy our product straight from them. They carry it in Canada, so it ships from Canada. And I believe it's it orders over $100 no matter where you are in Canada. And Canada is a huge country. Um, but no matter where you are, it ships for free. So wow. it's pretty pretty remarkable what, what they've done there. So that was that was one of the early steps that we took to say, okay, that helps you know that customer base. And then it was, of course, our retail locally. So we have Bueller's, you had Finn Feather and Fur. We got another grocery store chain called Acme Fresh Markets. Uh, it's 13 locations. And then uh, just had a good relationship up at a, a section of stores called Great Lakes Ace that was at the time 59 stores. They're expanding, but out of Michigan. And we were able to get the product in there, and that's gone really, really mm-hmm. well. Uh, we actually just did a, uh, a Big Green Egg Fest up there with them. And, you know, it was just a, it was a fun event. Fun people, great group, and you know, so that expanded quite a bit there too. As we continue to grow, you know, there's uh, we're in beginning talks of getting some distribution in Australia, so that's going to be huge. We have a lot of customer base there. Uh, that's in the er- I'll call it early stages, but I think that's going to happen rather quickly. 
So hopefully I can come back to this podcast or you guys could say it or something and say, hey, we're, we're 100% in. Uh, that's called the barbecue company is who we're working with there. And I, I believe that's going to be a go by the end of the year. So see where we go from there. Uh, challenges with, uh, you know, shows and things. So we're, we're a family-run business, right? And, you know, if you're not family, you've, you've been a friend more likely than not. Mm-hmm. And which is great. It's fantastic. But you're also, you're always have a microscope trying to figure out where we can make sure we're saving money, make sure not sending, you know, spending too much here, too much there. So shows is a big way to get in front of the customer. We did a show, we've done some trade shows where, you know, locally that, you know, you actually sell product at and a corporate hardware show. You don't do that. You, you sell to actual stores Mm -hmm. and getting in front of them is, is a huge Huge blessing for us to be able to do that. I was at their show uh, in Chicago. Hopefully, be going back in March uh, in San Antonio, and you know, getting that push because you know that's that would be a huge customer and, and be able to reach a lot of people within the states. So, uh, you know, we're we're kind of riding that wave right now. And then the one that's coming, and the I was going to bring it up. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know if you want to mention any names. No, but yeah. for sure. You know, it, it's coming in. We, we have the yes, it's Rural King. Uh, it's 130 stores uh, that you know span, I think it's five states. So those accounts have been, have been great, you know, great relationship builders. And it's been unique though, right? Everything takes time. That's the hardest part. You know, as a salesperson, you're just like, okay, made the, made the sale. We've got the green light. Let's just go. It doesn't always work that way. You get the green light and then you kind of have to wait and then mm-hmm. you might have to wait a little longer. You know, they, they have a lot of planning they have to do. They have planograms, you know, uh, which is basically what your stores look like. If, you, if you're not familiar with that, if you go on a, on a, what's called a gondola or a shelf in a store, you see they're, they're four feet, you know, across. So four foot section, that's, that's a planogram, you know, that from corporate to the store, there's a lot of planning that goes into that. They have to get that right. You know, they want to make it, you know, the best for their customers, the best for their stores, and they want to make it, you know, look good. So uh, our products are in there. It's all of our flavors, uh, except for cinnamon swirl. They, they didn't bring that one in currently, but that's, you know, could be a holiday special through them. So that's coming down the pipeline as well. And, you know, when that is, I don't know for sure, but it, it's it's a done deal. We're, we're cruising along with that. So. I, I have to compliment you because you talk about, I think you have an extreme amount of patience when it comes to these customers because... I'm kind of an instant gratification guy where it's like I, I give somebody a call and if I don't hear from by tomorrow, I'm like, well, screw you. I'm moving on to the next guy. So huge compliments there that you have the patience to know when, you know, when to focus on somebody, when not to, and then just wait. Um, so great job. How how many stores are we currently up to, do you think, now on our wholesale side across the not just the U.S., but across the whole world? That's That's super tough to figure out. Uh, I know it's definitely over. It's over three hundred. I, I we're probably pushing five hundred to be safe. Uh, now the the issue with that is some of these stores, I especially the ones that were early on, they may have ordered, so they're on my list, mm-hmm. but they may not have reordered, and they might be out of product. So I might be counting them, and they don't have product. But if you look on our store locator, there's easily that, you know, yeah. uh, and I'm still adding some of the A stores from that from the show that we sold to. So that's going to be completely up to date here soon. I would just always say if you find someone on our store locator, 
uh, through our website, beardofbutchers.com, I would, I would make a phone call first. There's most of the stores on there are continue to reorder. I, I just can't verify that hundred percent are. So a couple of things. Um, I think for anybody that's listening, you're going to understand how important it is to have somebody like Jared running your wholesale because Scott and I are going to openly admit that we, we couldn't do it on our own. Phil, we tasked him with it. He was spread thin and it wasn't until the point where Jared took over that we saw the rocket ship. Uh, and like Scott mentioned, the fastest growing portion of our brand currently is our wholesale side. So commendable job. Um, and then the other thing too, is if you could just let people know if they're listening and they want to be a retail of our products, how they go about doing that. Yeah. So that's super easy. Uh, and, and literally it, it's two different ways. The, the, the first part is just to email me at wholesale at beardofbutchers.com. Uh, I'm not cool enough to have Jared at beardofbutchers.com. I mixed those <laughs> up. About half of the company has their first name and the other half just has their title. I, I always get confused because like Dan has product at yeah. Beard Butchers. I have wholesale, but then, you know, nice. of course you guys are first names. Phil's has the first name. So it doesn't matter. Do you we think it get, would make it more personal and people like if we changed it, would people like it? Would, would customers no, because like then, it better? No, because then they're going to say, how do you spell Jared? Yeah. And it's true. My, mine's Jar Rod, J-A-R-R-O-D, but J-Rod. Yeah. J-Rod. However, but wholesale at beardofbutchers.com. Email me there. Uh, from there, I can give you, you know, the link to our portal, which would be, I think it's beardofbutchers.com slash wholesale, if I'm not mistaken. Wholesale.beardofbutchers.com. Okay. Wholesale.beardofbutchers.com is, you know, that takes us straight to a portal. You'll just fill out a couple simple questions just for help to make sure that, you know, we're not just selling to, you know, Joe on the street. We're trying to sell two stores. That would get the process started. If you wanted to order online, we can do that. If not, you want to send me an email and do an order, I can manually input it and then send you back a payment link or, you know, depending on quantity and things like that, there, there are possibilities for payment terms and things like that too. So that's all very awesome. And it really has to do with that relationship building. That sounds like something that's so important in your world, building relationships with the retailers. They care about their customers the same way that we care about customers. And it's really just about getting that product to the customer. You know, we have a two-year shelf life. And we often talk about, you know, wanting to get it onto your shelf so that you have better than 75% of the shelf life remaining in the product. So that way people can enjoy, you know, what basic, what pretty much falls into the greater barbecuing market, which is a trend that we see on an uptick. We obviously focus a lot on the butcher, a lot on the um, <clears throat> outdoor stuff. But those those trends do stack together. Whether you're a barbecuer, you're you're you got to trim brisket, so maybe you are part of a butcher, or you're that outdoors guy. You shot your own deer, but <clears throat> that's how it all blends in there. Jared, one more question before we go: um, What's your favorite beer to butcher blend seasoning? I do have to add, Jared, I think, has been a fan of the Beard of Butch Blend seasonings for a long time because before we brought him on as an employee, he's been using these things for years, tagging us in stories. He has a Traeger. He has a big green egg. So, um, yeah, he obviously, he's not just out there pushing these things that he doesn't believe in because he's been using them for years and years. So, so yes, thank you for being a longtime customer. Um, Seth calls you a fan. I call and a you friend. a customer. And a friend. <laughs> fuzzy friend part. is how he would introduce I, himself. Yes, I am a fuzzy friend, not the bearded butcher. Um, but that, that beard it, is coming in, though. I did notice that. I need to shave it. <laughs> so in your in your answer, just, you know, favorite blend. I ask everybody this. Favorite bearded butcher blend. 
you know, you can call out your favorite grilling method if you want and, you know, what's your favorite cut? Like, what what's Jared really love to do around the, the deck, the grill, whatever, with the, with the spice blends? So I kind of have a... Family show, I, Jared. Yeah, I know. Well, exactly, right? <laughs> so I kind of have, like, a, a two... Two thing answer this. It, it's kind of weird, but I love black blend. Like that's that's probably my favorite. Uh, you know, burgers, brisket, all that. However, my favorite thing to cook are ribs. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten on ribs, I use Hollywood. Sure. So that's where I would be. I would probably uh, venture towards just saying Hollywood. I love black. Like I mean, I, I like all of them, but I love black. I use Hollywood probably the most. But as a household, Hollywood flies. Do you have a um, bucket? Uh, we do. Okay. <laughs> Just making so sure. We, uh, my, my wife, my kids, they put it on their eggs almost every morning. Uh, so, you know, that, and then uh, my wife loves it on chicken wings, things like that. So we use Hollywood more, more times than not. Yeah. But. Awesome stuff. And just a sec, go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. I, I did interrupt, but I do want to, you kind of hinted on this. And this, this kind of helps the wholesale side of things. And this is what you really have to have in line. You know, if you're if you're starting that that business and you're coming up, please do not take orders without knowing that you could get that turned around in two or three days. And our warehouse does a fantastic job. I you know have to give shout outs to them. You know, we get an order in, and if it sits there for two days, I'd be amazed. It's usually out the, that day or the next day to the store. That is a huge part of the wholesale business in that relationship building. If someone's out of seasoning or the store is running low. And they make that order. You, we cannot let them wait for a week, two weeks before they get that product. Sure. I understand there's things that happen that are uncontrolled by us. But if you can control that piece of it, that is 70% of wholesale businesses making sure that when an order's made, they get the product. Having your priorities, your systems. You heard it, folks. Absolutely. So, Jared, so, something we haven't talked to you about yet, but um, you're familiar with the DIY kits that we just launched? Yes. We want to talk to you about adding those to the wholesales. What are your thoughts on that? Yes. Uh, We actually just have, I just had someone email today about getting those. That's going to be a case-by-case scenario. And the reason being is because there's there's a lot of production into those. And Mm -hmm. this actually piggybacks off of what I just talked about. We kind of put those kits together once a week. There's some time that we might be able to fit some in here and there, but once a week that we really package everything, that our team gets together and they package everything. I cannot make a I I don't feel right making a sale knowing that this thing might not ship for a week. So I have no problem with adding those and and I think it's a great opportunity for people, especially on the store shelves, you know, everything except, you know, the the cheese, because of course that would have to be refrigerated. But everything else for DIY is a great idea. We just need to do case by case so that I could say, okay, this store or this customer is looking at X amount of kits, and I can let the team know that, hey, on the day that you guys put those together, know that there's an extra 30, 40, 50 kits that you have to do just for wholesale and then do the things for retail. So Sounds like it boils down to having your ducks in a row. Yep, absolutely. Something that Jared's done a great job of helping us with. And um, I want to second Seth. Incredible job. Appreciate everything you do for the brand. It's an extension of ourselves where we can't be, and you do a better job than we could do ourselves. So that's outstanding. And um, Jared takes a great, great care in what he does, and, and, if and it you, shows because he gets great results. And if you want to enjoy a cup of Joe made by Jared and his wife Christy, go to 
beardbutchers.com, get a bag of coffee. It's good stuff. I, I start every best. single day <laughs> I with your agree. coffee. So Yeah, you put a whole bunch of stuff in it, though, too. Well, that's just my I first know. cup of the day. <laughs> okay. That's bulletproof. <laughs> the rest of my day is spent just drinking black just, coffee. Yeah, just go black coffee. It's, it's a dark roast, super smooth, though. Uh, it's not bitter or anything like that. So I, I, if you like dark roast coffee, you're not, you're not going to go wrong. There you have it. You heard so, it. So, Jared Brown, wholesale manager for the Beard of Butcher. Speaking of having ducks in a row, our next guest is Craig Noletti, which is our HR manager. So, we're going to bring Craig in after a quick break, and we'll talk to him about how we keep our little ducks in a row. Joining us on the second half of this podcast is Craig Noletti, our now HR manager. Welcome to the podcast, Craig. Hey, thank you. You arrived Welcome in board. quite a fashion. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Today? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, I, I like loud vehicles and anything noisy. So I uh, my foot slipped on the gas pedal when I backed in and <laughs> motor revved up real loud and distracted everybody in here. If you're wondering what we're talking about, go to our YouTube broadcast and it was probably near the end of the broadcast somewhere. I don't know the exact minutes, but you can hear a very loud exhaust revving in the background. It was Craig showing up in his his uh, Hellcat. So he arrived in style. So Craig became um, a part of the brand before there really was a brand. Um, we met Craig because we were doing the butchering for his father-in-law's farm, Green Vista Farm. We were both buying cattle from that farm and doing custom butchering. Um, on one of the trips up to the butcher shop, his father-in-law, John, must have asked Craig, would you like to ride along? I'm gonna take cattle up to the butcher shop. And I recall vividly, I would go out and meet the trailers when they backed up to the, um, to the barn. And our barn was kind of retrofit and wasn't real convenient to back up to. And we had lost cattle out of there over the years where they had come out of the back of the trailer and the trailer wasn't actually matched up to the barn. There was like a gate that had to swing over and get some wild cattle and they would run away. So um, his father-in-law is kind of notorious for raising wild cattle. They're grass fed. And any time an animal spends his entire life pretty much out on pasture, gets a little, um, wild they backed up and this the john gets out and then this guy gets out with him and i didn't I hadn't met him and he looked like a big buff guy but the 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 gate we swung the gate over the side of the trailer and he was like gonna hold it and i was like you look pretty big but you're not gonna hold back a steer speaking and, of speaking of being buff do you think it'd be okay if i stepped outside and did 30 or 40 push-ups and then came back in just so i looked a little bit bigger sitting beside him that'd be fine with us <laughs> so. so that's how we met craig telling him that he wasn't strong enough to hold a gate if a steer decided to run through it. And um, then as we saw him a few times bringing cattle in, picking up meat, we had a conversation which is very similar to the other people that have joined our brand. And it was in our parking lot in um, June of 2011. Which at the time, Craig was working with Jared in law enforcement. So those two go way back, but just to give a little background on that. Yep. So June 2011, Craig and I, Craig was picking up 
some boxes of meat to take back to the to their farm and i got to talking about you know butchering business jobs whatever and he's like i'm looking for something different to do and i said well i'll tell you what why don't you come up here work a day and um see what you think and and he literally came up put his uh sidearm in uh, one of the lockers and started working on the kill floor so tell us a little bit about those first early days as a butcher um yeah i i was in felony probation for like four years and uh it was a good job but um it just wasn't really going anywhere for me and uh I was just ready for something different. I got tired of being lied to every day and carrying a gun for not enough money, in my opinion. But uh, so when they offered um, for me to come up and cut meat and kill animals and stuff, I was like, oh, I'm, I'll give it a shot. I, I mean, this seems OK. I'll change it up. And I, I really, you know, felt like I couldn't go wrong. So um, I think the first day I did work on the kill floor. Uh, which is probably the hardest job. It's a lot harder. You got a live animal to deal with, and then um, the whole thing's messy and and very physically demanding. Um, and back then, Fred, their dad, was still on the kill floor working. And I'll never forget. I had my apron on, my knife, my knives, and everything like that. And he's like, uh, we had an animal laying down on the cradle, and he's like, grab that piece of hide and cut it off. And <laughs> And, uh, you know, I knew Fred, you know, Vietnam guy and just, uh, uh, you know, a man's man. It was at that point where I was like, okay, I'm not really comfortable doing this at all, but there's no way I'm going to say no. So <laughs> that was my first uh, ever use of the knife and uh, kind of went from there and then, you know, worked with these. I ended up quitting my job at probation. Um, I think I worked, what, a year and a half, something like that, cutting meat and killing once a week. Um it, it was a hard job, but I've never, I've never had a job where I felt such a feeling of accomplishment like uh, at, you do after a kill. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a brutal job, but you're you're uh, killing animals and you're providing food for people, so it's a, definitely a necessity and um, great satisfaction in that job. So those those first or those eighteen months were really um, they were great. I guess, brand building months, even though we really hadn't launched the brand because there was a lot of camaraderie that we had um, working in the shop. Because while we were doing those slaughter days once a week, the other um, four days um, of the week, we were, or five really, because we worked a lot of Saturdays, we were around the table in the shop um, doing the custom butcherings. But while we were doing that, we had a lot of time for conversation. So it was those conversations that really led to the launch of our Bearded Butcher brand. And that began with uh, a competition because we were always screwing around like, you know, who could lift the most weight? Who could uh, we would we would do these workouts and um, we we did a couple different ones where um, we see who could, you know, do this series of events, that series of events. And then, because you know, that's what you just do as, as guys or whatever. So then it was like, who can go the longest without trimming their beard? And that started like with No Shave November in 2011. That was and, that was 11 years ago. And Craig, Craig uh, he never stopped. Yeah. Craig's beard trimmed. is still going. 
And uh, we all looked like crazy wild men because we it was like, you know, no mustache trimming, nothing like that. And Craig's brother-in-law, Daniel, who's our product manager, was working along with us. But um, those were really pivotal times because Craig has a way of looking at things or he had a way of looking at things objectively because we were, you know, we'd been doing this for 15 years or something at the time. We were pretty much mired in it. We weren't really looking outside the walls much. And Craig would, he would say, well, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about doing this th this way? And, and, and we had the spice blend. And it was those conversations that had to do with the um, spice blend itself, the bearded, the, the bearded butchers, because that's kind of what we were getting the moniker we were taking on because we were all butchers and we all had these wild beards. And it was his wife, Jessica, that did the um, character, which became our um, logo because we all had, you know, the respect for, for Freddie, our dad. Um, he working with him was I mean, I know I'm I've said recently Seth's a lot like him, but it was something else. But he had he he was kind of stepping out of the business some and we decided to take his character and we we were calling the products that we seasoned bearded butcher approved. And that name and that likeness of our dad, a lot of that had to do with um, Craig's suggestions, his influence and literally his wife um, with her expertise with Photoshop, which came into um, some other examples where she was Photoshopping my face onto <laughs> European hunters and tricking my own mother on Facebook that I... <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, we had a lot of fun with it um, back in the day, um, but we were just butchers all together. We were doing the custom butchering operation and frankly, that um, Bearded Butcher brand wasn't really much of anything at the time. It was just a front of the counter. We had a few seasoning um, shakers that we were selling, very incremental sales. We did not have a Bearded Butcher brand. Well, Craig went back into, um, I guess, more of, of his former positions in a sense, he didn't go right back into law enforcement, but he had his own dreams and aspirations that, that you find out when you're a butcher, there's not a lot of time and energy left over. Am I right? Right. Yeah. So Craig had um, a few years where he went back to um, working along with his, you know, with his degree. Um, but at the time, he struck out almost immediately and started building his own gyms. And he built, um, what, like four gyms now that you've five. pretty much, five? Sold two, I have three. Yep, yep. Yeah. from the ground up. So, but we never grew apart in the sense of the entrepreneurial side of things. In fact, it got a lot stronger because uh, now he's in business, um, which he had, he had he had joined with Jared in the coffee business. You guys had Black Phoenix um, rest in ashes right now, right? Black Phoenix is in ashes. It, it can rise again. It's a flavor. <laughs> oh, it is a flavor. Yeah. Okay. They had the coffee, and that's that's how we got introduced to Jared through that. But it was interesting. Um, but Craig had a lot of experience um, in dealing with people, dealing with systems, actually dealing with felons. Um, and then he, he actually um, went into some stuff with juvenile. Um, you've got 
experience from the law enforcement side. You've got experience from your specialized training in um, psychology, that sort of thing. Well, so t talk a little bit about I've, how that how how we were able to leverage that. I've, then I've always said um, that Craig has been the number one person in our lives and brand that's been in instrumental to us in giving us the confidence to make big moves and big decisions. He's a, he's a brilliant business person, um, and it's been great because we've had a text thread going with Craig now for about ten years, and. He, he, I will always say that he's the number one person that's given us the confidence in ourselves to know how to proceed into making decisions for the future. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is like, I've had a ton of different jobs in my life. My first job was sales. And so if you're learning, if you can do sales and you're good at it, you can read people, you get a really good perspective on how to sell stuff and what that takes. Um, and like Scott said, we used to stand around the boning table for hours every day and I would talk constantly cause there's not much else to do. So I had a lot of stupid ideas and stuff that they're like, no, but every once in a while I'd come up with something and they would be like, all right. But the biggest thing, the reason these guys are successful is because, uh, they would come up with an idea. We would formulate some type of plan and they would actually follow through with it. Um, I'm not the best at that. I'll have all these great ideas, but I don't always follow through and then it never happens. So these guys have the fortitude to actually have a plan, follow, follow through with it, regardless of obstacles, you know, you're going to have issues no matter what you're trying to do. They've never been one to let that stop them. Um, and that's the key to success is come up with a plan and know you're going to have problems, but you just keep working at it um, until you're successful. And so that's why these guys will be really hard to stop. Um, they, they actually just follow through and they are not afraid to learn things, get the information where they need. And uh, it's just a really cool thing to see how these guys have grown and, and changed from back when we used to lock the doors at lunchtime for the store. And now, <laughs> now it's just Thank like you. crazy. It's yeah, just and, really and, cool. And so Craig helped us with that, some of that objective thinking where it was like, you know, from the outside looking in. And we knew once we had... Um, the the larger platform, if you will, and we needed some, I will call it professional help because he is a professional, professionally trained um, with his experience that we wanted to incorporate Craig um, into the brand and very much what I would call like, uh, you know, he's the the hammer if you will in a sense where we wanted to use that for our hr because seth and i will admit we're not the best people persons because we expect likely too much out of everybody because to craig's point about um you know being hard to stop um our dad was very tenacious very tenaciously natured um, literally ran himself into the ground. That's why, you know, at 73 years old, he, he, he can barely, um, well, he, he can't get out of a chair without assistance because he is just somebody that has just driven himself right into the dirt, literally. And we'll do that to ourselves, but we can't do that to people because then we'll just find ourselves um, only working with ourselves and we can't possibly do everything that we need done in our brand. So we had are making all these hires. Craig knows 
uh, so much about us having been around us for so long. He understands us. He also understands both the butcher business, what it's like to run a business. We thought he would be the perfect person to be our HR consultant. Um, and, and that has been a great fit for us because as we build, as you build a brand and you get more and more people involved, um, there's going to be things that you need to, to deal with. There's going to be um, perhaps issues that, that come up. There's going to be systems that need to be put in place. And then there's going to be, um, I guess, a need to protect um, ourselves from ourselves, if that makes sense. So Craig is good at identifying, um, you know, he says, you know, ideas, and he's not always good at carrying them out. But he's good at identifying um, things and saying, you know, have you thought about this? Have you do you want to try this this way? And that's been important for us because, like I said, we have a, um, um, I guess, a tendency, Seth more than I, to a little bit too <laughs> I'm much just like throwing him under the bus here, <laughs> to um, put demands on you know, people or you know, without putting systems in place or not having resources in place. And Craig, with his workplace exposure, that's one thing that we suffer from is that we really, Seth and I really have no other workplace exposure other than White Feather Meats, which was um, Fred with a boot up our ass and a very dangerous job, stream hours. And, and then he experienced a lot of that himself. And so he's able to go, whoa, whoa, guys, like you don't understand what it's like in a regular workplace. So... Craig's helped us with a lot of our systems. So can you talk to us a little bit about that, like understanding that, you know, people can't work for, you know, 60 hours a week for well, a year straight with, oh, I used to have three weeks vacation. Now I get two days off. Like, that's one of the reasons why you left White Feather. Am I wrong? No, no, that's so, right. So that's what what he is he's helped us with. No, Talk can, a little bit about that I, that personal well, I got experience. A, I got a couple thoughts, but the first day I realized I was going to be done at White Feather, we were all standing on the kill. <laughs> I know, the, uh, we were all standing <laughs> processing I know where this meat. Stories going. Yeah. It was about this time of year, September, October, and we look out across the road. and There's a buck like running across <laughs> the parking lot toward Norwayne High School, and right then I was like. Yeah, I'm not. I, I was hunting a lot at the time, so I was like, "This isn't going to work." <laughs> and so that now was they the, have cell cameras that yeah. send you a picture of your deer at your stand. So that was the very first day. I was like, "Yep, my time at White Feather here is limited." Uh, I didn't tell them that, but um, well, we we literally gave no free time to right? anyone. Yeah, there was no time off to hunt or anything. I didn't take my first vacation to Florida until I got to know Craig. <laughs> <laughs> now I've been going back every year. Um, well, what you were saying though about the business and where I fit in is uh, when you own a business, especially if you started the business and you've seen it grow and you built it, everything that happens in that business is like, uh, it's like your family. You take it very personally. Mm -hmm. So no matter if there's an employee issue, a customer issue, it doesn't matter what it is. It's very difficult to look at it from a neutral perspective. And so I think that's where I fit in well, is I don't, it's not my business. I mean, I care about it a lot because it was a huge part of my education. Um, but I'm able to kind of view it a, diff a little bit differently than Scott and Seth, so I can give them kind of a non-emotional response mm -hmm. to a lot of things that happen. And, uh, 
you know, I've just learned over the years, you know, if you have employee stuff going on, you, you always, I always assume um, that people are coming to work and they intend to do the best job they can. Otherwise, they're not coming to work. Um, so you, you always approach the situation with an open mind. And uh, uh, a lot of times when you have a conversation with somebody about something going on, it's, it's completely different than what you interpreted it, it to be. And uh, that's just something I've learned over the years. Yeah, it's been helpful because we are a victim of what we would consider, you know, like you mentioned, the very personal, this is happening to, 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 to me personally, or like, like you said, the business is, is your child or a knee jerk reaction. I think, um, it, I think it, it's easy to do as, as an entrepreneurial or founding lead of a business. So it's good to have a buffer. It's good to have systems in place, perhaps a chain of command so that you can deal with some of that. Um, and then, you know, of course, there's the legal side of things. As you grow as a company, I think a lot of um, a lot of it is, you know, a lot of clapping. People help you get up the ladder. But then there's the flip side of it, which you mentioned, you know, people want to come to work and they want to do a good job. And it's about um, empowering them so they can do that. And then, you know, from the leadership or the owner or the founder role, you know, um, encouraging them to say, you know, let people, you know, do their jobs. But then there's also the, the legal side of it, the, um, you know, hey, you know, this is an area because we have a, a heavy social media online presence, you know, brand identity, there's opportunity there, I guess, if you will, um, to maybe want to knock us down the ladder or off the ladder. And I think it's important that we have some of the systems in place legally that, you know, whether it's through documentation uh, um, of, of perhaps incidents or non-incidents, but just having everything um, documented along the way, understanding how those processes work. Um, those are just growing pains that if you want to get uh, scale a company, you're going to have to figure out and go through. And that's something that, that we are, you know, we have achieved. We've got handbook in place now. Um, we've got, you know, certain things like, um, you know, confidentiality agreements because we have a lot of recipes involved. Um, we have unfortunately had to terminate positions um, that, that simply weren't working out. Those are things that are going to happen as a company scales. You simply will not be able to, um, you know, every small company that becomes a large company learned how to scale it and learn the systems out along the way or else you would you wouldn't have a company that was any bigger than, you know, your, your mom and pops, if you will. So um, an important part of it, but I think it's Craig adds unique, a very unique perspective to the situation because of his experience as a butcher with his professional experience mixed in there. And it's given him the tools in the toolbox to deal with um, both Seth and I, because, you know, he's essentially there, to um, to be that neutral, to be that buffer. So he, you know, he's he's got to talk us off the cliff sometimes, um, or we'll just we'll we'll have a conversation with him, and be like, hey, this is an area that you know we need advice in, or we need you to step in. So that's that's been super helpful. And those because you know every company is made up of people, and you know it takes great people, and we have them in a company to have. Um, you know, a great experience for, for, for them, for the ownership, for the customers. Those are really important things to us. So if you're listening and you're, you know, you're working at building a brand, you're working at building your company, and you do have somebody that you can go to like we do with Craig, 
um, you know, somebody that's going to look from the outside in, bounce those ideas off of, somebody that can kind of help you steer the course, we highly recommend it. Craig's been instrumental in helping us get to where we're at. We certainly haven't done it on our own. So if you have somebody like that, you have them in mind, reach out to them, um, get get their opinion, get it, get them in your corners. It's good to have somebody like that. Um, and the and it doesn't matter what time of the day we message Craig, we, we get a response. It could be 10 p.m. or 6 a.m. in the morning. So, um, yeah, it's just a really, Usually really not 4.30 good... a.m. <laughs> yeah, 4.30. He's left off the 4.30 a.m. responses <laughs> since we um, don't require him to come in and butcher at that time. Craig, do you have anything to add? I have a couple questions for you that I ask everybody. Um, no, I think what you said, if we're talking about business, um, kind of the biggest thing that popped up in my head was like, if you're in business, you have to constantly try new things because if you're not trying new things and moving forward, you're not staying neutral. You're either yeah. moving forward or you're moving backward. And that's the hardest part about business is you constantly have to adapt. And, uh, you know, these guys have done a really good job of seeing things. It's like, okay, this isn't working. And they actually change it. I think businesses that fail or suffer um, are the ones that see an issue, they identify an issue, they do nothing about it. And it just kind of, you know, their boat just slowly sinks. So if you're looking at business, you've got to constantly innovate and make progress and improve it or else I I really don't see how you're going to be successful. Yeah. Remaining relevant. I've asked, um, or I've had a billion, a billionaire uh, businessman just recently tell us that, that if, when asked what keeps him up at night, he said, remaining relevant, because I think that's really important. You can slip between the cracks. Um, questions so you've been a long time customer i'll call you a fan of the product um a lot of beer to butcher blend seasoning has gone um through your hands favorite seasoning favorite experience surrounding seasoning um how does craig like to find himself on the back deck or whatever you eat a lot of meat so what's 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 that experience like for you what's your go-to uh the black seasoning is probably my favorite all around. I witnessed Craig carry a, f- a five-gallon bucket of black seasoning out of our shop. Yeah, one are day. you out of that yet? <laughs> no, no. A five-gallon bucket. So the black originally was like my favorite. I still use a lot of it. Um, but really, if I were cooking a steak, I, a ribeye steak's my favorite to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, I would use the Brock seasoning. Yeah. I, I'm ran, I just ran out of it. But like that on a steak is super hard to beat. I, I just, that would be my number one choice. I agree with that. Ribeye steak. We always say meat over wood fire. So if you've got a way to have a charcoal fire, throw it on there. Ribeye steak, some Brock seasoning. It's really hard to beat. Also wanted to point out brand loyalty. Craig Noletti is the only person that we're aware of that literally has embedded in his skin the brand logo which is the beard of butcher logo tattooed on his body beard of butcher for life as he's like to he likes to say it so brother from another mother yes i want to thank you personally for being part of the beard of butcher brand before it was even a brand still being part of it today helping us grow we've had some amazing stories that we've been able to bring it's easy to see that there's a um I guess, a mixture of a lot of different things. I mean, obviously, all glory to God, because this wouldn't happen without divine intervention. We've had the right people, the right timing, the right product, um, 
the 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 little bit of this, a little bit of that. Somebody, um, you know, recently called us a unicorn because something like this doesn't come along um, very often, where you just have lightning in a bottle like we've had with our brand. And, so, and they said it's not supposed to happen yeah. the way it happened for We're us. We're very so. very thankful, grateful to um, to 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 God, to all the people that are involved. Craig helps us stay centered. I think at the same time, helping us think of new ideas and helping us be good, um, responsible um, employers. I think that's a big part of it because you don't wanna have um, the social presence, the, um, you know, the, what you know, somebody once said, you know, never meet your heroes or whatever, but we wanna be nice guys all the way around and good employers and treat people fairly and, deliver to our customer and all those things you want to do as a company. And those are, those are all important things that you can't do without the right people involved. Yeah. I, Amen. I mean, it's been great for me to work with you guys, but it's not all been just me helping you because anytime we talk business, it, it helps me a ton in what I'm doing. So if I would have never met you guys, my life would be quite a bit different um, than it is now. So sure. it doesn't just go one way. Appreciate that. Thank you. So there you have it. This wraps up week four of building a niche brand. You've been able to see all the different steps that the bearded butchers have used, um, both what they've learned along the way, what has been perhaps divine inter intervention. It is a mixture of a bunch of great ideas, a bunch of great product, and a bunch of great people all coming together at once to form what is a great brand. And we always wanna thank you, our customer, because that is how we're able to do this on a regular basis. And for those of you that are hoping to have a similar product, we hope this has helped you figure out all the different ways that we've gotten what we would consider a very strong presence in the market. Good friend of ours, Andre from Traditional Timbers, came in the shop about a week ago, a week ago, and he told me how much he's enjoying these this podcast series, uh, applying it, you know, to some things that he's doing in business. So, Andre, appreciate that. If you want a cutting board, they're on our website. Does phenomenal job. Um, so it was real nice to hear a positive, uh, someone you know, speak positive about these podcasts. So if you're still enjoying them, we'll keep doing them. And until next time. We'll see everybody later. I'll second that. Thanks, Andre, and the two other people that are listening right now. I'm joking. No, thank you all, <laughs> and we'll see you next time. See ya.